Cynthia Freeman is a licensed commercial audio claims adjuster for a Fortune 500 insurance company for over 19 years. She believes that life insurance is a vital asset for African Americans and it's a valuable investment when it comes to wealth creation. Parts of our culture is not good at investing in life insurance, so I wanted to promote and educate others to do so, she shares. She enjoys volunteering as a level one archery instructor, and she also is a licensed notary public. Unfortunately, murder has become a common state of being these days, and she knows the effects of that pain all too well. Cynthia lost her son, Dejour Loray Danger Freeman, to a traumatic senseless stabbing. In Cynthia's story share, she states, if I could help one person find hope, then that fulfills my life even more. Cynthia's upcoming journey is to self-publish her love letter poems written to her son for over the past 20 years. She's looking forward to working with a team to research a documentary why murder and death is so unusually high on both sides of her family. She is also the creator of Momsy and Teen Momsy, an event decor and sweet treat design company. Cynthia is a mom demand action and every town survivor volunteer in the Georgia region, advocating on losing our children to the variations of all senseless violence. Let's welcome her. Welcome back, Grief Nation listeners, and welcome to today's show with Grief Talk. Um, we're going to be talking about in the wrong place at the wrong time with Cynthia Freeman. Hello, Cynthia. Hello, Miami. How are you doing today? I'm great, and I'm so excited to share your story on the show. So glad to have you here with us. Um, We're going to jump right in, if you don't mind. Oh, no problem. I really appreciate you having me on to share my story about my son, Danger Larray Freeman, my only child, my son, my partner, my buddy, my everything. Um. It, it was just really a crazy day for me that day, you know, start, you know, how the day just start out normal and you think, you know, just go have another normal, regular day, get up to go to work and everything is fine. And I went to, um, after work that day, it was on a Monday, um, February the 9th, 1998. We'll never forget it. And, um, went and got my nails done after work, go to my little normal nail appointment and after that I go home met my girlfriend there we was go make plans to see if we was gonna go out and you know for the weekend we used to get together on weekends and our group of friends and go out and kick it so we were trying to plan our weekend so we're at my house just you know talking and next thing I know I hear somebody bamming at my door so loud I thought the hinges was coming off the the door and when I get to the door um it was just like this young boy there, some young man, and he just looked so distraught. And he told me that danger had been stabbed and that it didn't look good. And I'm just like, of course, in shock and not knowing, you know, what happened, who did what. So I just I contacted my my parents 
um, and my grandmother. And um, I just jumped in my car and all the way to the hospital, I just kept saying, because you always, I don't know why this even came to my head, but it, I just kept thinking about my my maternal grandmother. She always tell me that the Lord will only put on you what you can bear. And when she, you know how when you're younger and your grandparents say all these things to you, you think, oh, these, you know, what, you know, you just laugh and think it's really funny. But then when you get older, you you start to realize how relevant and how poignant it is to your life, to everyday living. And, and then when something happens, it's like a deja vu moment for you. And you realize what exactly they meant by that. So, um, saying that all the way to the hospital, by the time I got there, um, I go through the emergency room to, figure out what's going on. I see like, it seemed like thousands of people was at the hospital. I don't even know where these people came from. Mm -hmm. And it was just like this man, I don't even know where he came from. I don't know which direction he came from. He just, he saw me like running from room to room, like scavenging around trying to find out where my son was, who had him, what room was he in. Mm -hmm. And um, it was another young man that got stabbed with him. He was the original person that was in the fight. He was the one fight with the guy who stabbed my son. He stabbed him first. He stabbed him, collapsed two of his lungs and did some other damage. But he was in a room and I went in his room and I asked him where was my son. And all he did was put his head down. Mm. He never said anything to me. Now this was supposed to be somebody that was his friend, a good friend, you know, all this stuff. And somebody that really didn't care for my son to be around anyway. I always, you know, warned him about being around this particular young man. Um, So out of nowhere, this white man came and he just took his finger and pointed to a room and where his finger pointed to, it was a room there. And that's where my son was at getting prepped for surgery. Well, they had the door locked and I'm a very small person. I was even smaller then, but somehow I kicked the door down because they were holding on the other side. I somehow got in the room. My mother was there. She was trying to constrain me from seeing my son. Now they, they had my son on a, on a, on a bed and they have, you know, all this, his clothes off. They have tubes in it. And, you know, all I could do is go beside his, his bed and just tell him I love him. And don't, and I just kept begging him, please don't leave me. Please don't leave me. That's all I kept saying. And then, you know, I saw his eyes kind of roll back in his head and then they drug me out of the room. And then it just seemed like forever. We was in this room where they take you and you, you wait for the surgery. And then, after so long, the surgeon came out and told me that my son didn't make it. And I just fell to my knees and just start crying and asking his father to bring him back to me. And it was, it was just unreal. It was just like a dream. And, and, and the funny thing about the dr- about it is I used to dream about my um, being in court and the judge asking me my son's and how to pronounce my son's name. I would always have this recurring dream and never understood what it was about. Mm-hmm. And then after my son was killed and we went to court and the guy got caught the same, like that same night he was putting his boots on to go to go to work and they arrested him. And we went to court. There was a moment where the judge 
that very same thing that I have been dreaming about for years happen and wow. I almost fainted when I was in Because you know, of course nobody knew what was going on, but right. me because that, you know, because I, I had been dreaming and dreaming about that for like years. I would have that wow. same, not all the time, but it would come to mm-hmm. me and I would be like, why am I dreaming about a judge and wanting to know how to pronounce Danger's name? And and it just never, it just never made sense to me. And then when the it was a actual deja vu moment that occurred in court, when he did that, I was like, oh, you know, it just kind of took my breath away. Yeah. I realized that's that's what I was dreaming about. I dreamt about this moment right here and didn't even know it. But it was just it was just it was just so unbelievable. Just even to this day, even all these years later, it's just still unbelievable just to look at his picture and mm-hmm. see his face and see how, you know, he lit up a room and just when I say everybody that met him fell in love with him like his personality, his his demeanor, his his character. He just he was just an awesome child. I mean, he had a perfect smile. His Aww. dentist was even in love with him. His dentist wanted him to be uh, uh, do photos because his teeth was perfect. He need, he never had braces, you know. Just 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 a perfect child to me, you know? I mean, of course he had his flaws and he was a teenage boy and Mm -hmm. his dad wasn't the kind of father he should have been. So, you know, that, you know, made him, you know, do some stuff that, you know, he shouldn't have done. But over all the stuff that happened, no one can ever, if you was to ever bring my son's name up where he grew up at, no one would ever have a bad thing to say about him. Even if it was somebody, you know, that, he did something wrong, you know, at the time or whatever felt wrong, you know, like little mischief yeah, yeah, yeah. that kids mm-hmm. do and stuff like that. Cause he, I, he even had a, a mentor that's a police officer. He used to come and take him to his house, visit his mom. His, his mother was in love with him and it was, and that's how he was. And I'm like, if you, if you was to meet him today, I even had, it was so crazy. <laughs> One of his friends had a picture of him at his house. He had one of his girl, a female friend at the house visiting. Mm-hmm. The female friends saw Dangerous Picture and went crazy. Like, like he was still living crazy. Like, you know, just looking at him and just, and I just felt like his aura was so strong that his, his presence, even when he's not even here, yeah, he still touches people. He still makes people feel that, that, that good feeling that he gave everybody when he was here and he would, you know, be around you. He all, he made everybody feel special and, and, and important and, and loved. And he loved his family so much. And of course, you know, he loved his mom. So, you know, but it was just, you know, he's, he's very much missing people that I never even knew, knew my son. I will find out later that he did something or he, they knew him and, you know, I'm like, wow, he, I'm like, how did he get around so much? Where was I when he was doing all this stuff? You know, so making all these connections, right? Yes, and it's just so amazing that you, because even his grandmother, his his father's mother, when we, we was at the funeral, and all these people came to the funeral, and this woman was probably in her 60s or something at the time, and she 
she was just so amazed. She said she's never seen this many people at mm-hmm. anybody's funeral in her life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and we had it where he was born and raised. We didn't have it where he grew up at. So it was kind of like maybe 30 minutes away. So it really wasn't in town because if it had been where we, you know, the, where it happened at, it probably would have been even larger than that. But I wanted to take him home because that's where he was going to be laid to rest. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to be somewhere close and not have to drive, you know, yeah. that way. And then, you know, his his friends, they showed up. They all dressed with white hoodies with his name on it and mm-hmm. all his pallbearers just, just did special stuff like that because that's just how much, you know, he affected them and how how much he they loved him. I mean, it, it amazes me even to this day just how much people still talk about him, still you know, missing, you know, still always have respect for me because his friends, they were so supportive. They would come by my house, sit on the porch with me, talk to me, bring me Mother's Day cards and, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah. And yeah, so they they really showed me how much he meant to them. Right. And that means a lot to me. As a parent, you always think you don't, you haven't done enough or, you know, but when you see that type of love and outpouring for your child who was only mm-hmm. had just turned 18, he was barely 18. Yeah. Get a chance to graduate, go to prom, none of that stuff. So, you know, he, he really took a lot from me. And I just, you know, I, I, I just can't even understand how someone can just take somebody's life and don't think about what they're going to do to that person and that person's family yeah you know? so can you, you know. explain um some of the complexity complexity excuse me like along your journey that um that you had moved through um or just describe some of the the feelings that you were having emotions that you felt so that other mothers or someone that um have lost a child um due to um stabbing i think your son was um mm-hmm. stabbed and um, what could what would you tell that mother about like your grieving process? I know you go through, you know, of course, at first you blame yourself. You think about, you know, my son was out playing basketball with a group of his friends. And, you know, he was only not even four or five blocks away from home, you know, and you just think about, you know, why didn't I get, why didn't I, why didn't I go get my nails done that day? Why didn't I just go straight home? Why didn't I go look for him? You blame yourself. Then you just want to die. Then you just, you just, you go through everything. You don't want to live. You, 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 you just don't, you don't understand. You try to be strong. And then you, you think about, you know, you know, why did this happen to me? What did I do? I'm like, I'm, you know, you, I haven't done anything to anyone. I'm not a bad person. Why did this happen to my son? And then the person that, that you feel like was the, that was actually the culprit of the whole fight. That was the one that was involved. He's still here and he's still here doing, you know, causing havoc and no, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't have the type of love people know him and they, you know, know him like that, but the kind of love and respect that my son um, was able to garnish for only 18 years and, and this person is still here and 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 that wasn't the the only thing that happened to him over the years he's been shot a few times he's been stabbed a few more times you know he's he's shot at people you know he's just he's just doing everything that is against what I would ever you know my son would ever be doing so 
the person, and that's why I say at the wrong place at the wrong time, because you can be with somebody that you think is your friend, but if you with somebody that somebody don't is having a conflict with and you're in the way, like I say all the time, bullet don't have no eyes. And 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 how my son got stabbed, he was just standing there, and after the guy stabbed his friend, he was running from, from the scene trying to get to his car with his other friends so they can drive off. And I guess my son was in the way and he just he just stabbed him for no reason. He just stabbed him with a six-inch hunting knife and punctured his in his um, abdomen and punctured all his major organs. So, I mean, and, you know, his friends rushed into the hospital. They got him there as fast as they could because I know they did. Yeah. And, you know, there was just, I mean, the kind of weapon that he had, it was like the Rambo style they, that, they, that Rambo used in the movie. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, I, I know you did say that you did go to court. Say how that process was, oh, was yeah. for you. Oh, well, it was, it's, it's very, very um, stressful because you have to sit there quietly, patiently, mm-hmm. you know, reverently and, and listen to, you know, testimony about the situation. And, you know, at some point they even, showed my son's clothes they cut off him in the hospital mm-hmm. you know it's it's just traumatic and you just yeah. have to sit there and just you know be stoic and and you know try to hold on to your emotions and mm-hmm. and, and and still focus on what's going on and then the whole time you're sitting there you're looking at the person that that took your child's life wanting to you know yeah. jump across the room and mm-hmm. you know like you see on tv when the people flip out in court and they jump across yeah. and do all that I was like, man, I could see myself doing. I say, and then I'm thinking how I can grab the the, the sheriff's gun before he gets to me, so I can shoot him. I mean, I'm just in there yeah, going crazy. Yeah, I believe so, you. I believe so, you. So it's your like mind. your mind yeah. just takes you there. You just it lost takes, your child. Yeah. yeah, and it and then you see the person that did it, and he didn't even know him. He had no interaction with that boy. You know, he was 21. My son was 18. No one even knew who this guy, this kid was. He was just some random kid who happened to be up there that day. He wasn't anyone that was from our neighborhood or, you know, or anybody knew his, you know, really knew who he was or anything like that. So, you know, that whole thing. But yeah, you, you go through so many emotions and, and it, it's just, and for me, the other parent that her child was stabbed, she came to court one day. Hmm. I was there every day and mm-hmm. I had people who came to support me every day. I didn't have to call anybody. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to ask anybody to come with me. I just showed up to court every day and it was people there. Yeah. So, you know, that, that part, was going to be my next question. How yeah. much support did you have going through this entire process? Because that's uh, definitely important. Yeah. Who, who were those people that supported you? It was mainly my friends and his friends. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't so much, I can't even say it was so much my family, but, you know, at the time, I didn't understand how devastated they were, too. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All, I, all I thought about was they wasn't being as supportive as I thought they should have been because I was getting all this love and support from everybody else. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, when I look back on it now, I realized that they were crushed, too. yeah. And it's on, and, and and when traumatic things happen in family, sometimes people don't know how to respond. 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I realized that too. I had to, I had to, because I was mad at him for a long time. Oh, like, yeah. My grandmother, I was mad at her because she told me I didn't need a church that big because nobody was coming to my son's funeral. And that just cut me like a knife. I was like, what you mean nobody's coming to my son's funeral? And then the church was, it was so full. You couldn't even get all the people in there. So it was just like, how dare you say nobody's coming to my son's funeral? Like he was nothing or nobody, you know, I don't know why she said that. She was like in her eighties or something yeah. or late seventies, but I just felt like that was a mean thing to say yeah. to somebody, you know? Yeah. Right, right, right. It, and she yeah. lost one of her, her sons before she lost one of her, my uncle was murdered when I was 10 years old. And then my, her other son died from cancer when my son was 10 years old. Mm-hmm. So it's not like she doesn't know what that feels like, but yeah. you know what I'm saying? So for her to say that to me, that hurt even more. Yeah. For Sometimes her to say that. people are just insensitive and not, not to say that they were trying to be. Um, and, and definitely you got to think about your radars are like this mm-hmm. on 10. If you say something <laughs> wrong about my child, you know, because I'm, I'm grieving. So yeah. it's possibly that yeah. being, um, she probably was more so thinking of fun, f- how you're going to be able to bury him and money. And, you know, just, you know how grandparents are. They like to look out for you, but it could come out a little wrong. But it's, it's, that's just to be, that's normal to have, you know, your reaction, others' reactions. Um, have you, do you feel like you've gotten to a point and not with your family or those who are supporting you, but how this whole situation happened with your son, this incident happened? Have you found some um, forgiveness? forgiveness and peace about it yes I, I really have I, I I don't even think about the guy who did it you know I just knew when his release date was and you know they notified me mm-hmm. from the state of how they told me you know what he was getting out and I got advanced notice I was able to talk to his probation officer because he still so got to report to a probation officer for the next five years so if he gets in any trouble for the next five years, he can go back to jail for up to 10, back to prison for up to 10 years. Mm-hmm. So that part of it gave me solace because I, I feel like even though he's out, he still got something hanging over his head for the next five years. Yeah. So if he's not out free and clear. He still has, you know, he still has to be on his P's and Q's. Yeah. So, and I just try not to even think about it because it's not going to help me. And I don't want to, and for me, I don't want to waste any energy on somebody that took my son's life when I could be thinking about how much my son meant to me and all the memories right. that we shared together. And right. to me, that's just tainting his yeah. memories to even involve him into my thoughts. So right. I, I just like, you know, it's, it took me a minute, but I let God take that off of me. Yeah. And, you know, I just think, you know, long as I know where he's at and, and what's going on, I'm good with that. You know, right. and I just hope I never seen. <laughs> right, right, right. And it's, uh, um, I'm so excited that you said that, that you're, you know, you're no longer allowing him to be like this. You've cut that emotional cord for him. And, you know, he's not attached to your new way of being and knowing that, you know, your son is, you know, as much is, is even greater um, in his death as he was in life. And that you would just, you, you want to reframe in that realm of being happy um, mm-hmm. still for your son's life and his existence, as opposed to weighing yourself down from the thoughts of, um, who he is, where he's, you know, what he's doing. And, you know, mm-hmm. so that's good. That's good for you. That's, that's really good for you that you're in that mindset because sometimes it takes people 
so many years. It just takes, you know, uh, um, and a lot of people don't like to talk. Like we're sitting here having this conversation. A lot of people just don't want to talk about it, but this is what heals us. And as we know, as women and and girlfriends, we love to tell each other our most intimate thoughts and having these conversations. And and, and that's what Grief Talk is all about, is just having an opportunity to be able to share that and getting other um, others involved to be able to listen to this as a resource um, and also to help even maybe a, there's not a mother in this situation but you never know when you could be or you never know by hearing your story that how they can help someone else right. um, that could that their friend could be going through this um, so I'm grateful that you are um, here today and sharing your story now I'm looking at your so let's talk about your work life so what do you do who are you um, I, right now, I'm a commercial. I've been in insurance. I've been in insurance since 2001. I'm a commercial auto claims adjuster um, for Warren, one of Warren Buffett's companies. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm working from home right now. And then I also, I enjoy volunteering. I enjoy um, just helping people. And um, I had started a mom uh, organization called Mothers on a Mission to Save Our Youth, Momsy. Mm-hmm. And the mission is to um, help young people uh, find what they're um, find their what they're passionate about to help them to be successful. I messed that up, but that's the gist of it. To to help them find out what their passion is. So I because yeah. I listen to a lot of successful billionaires and everything, and all they talk about is the passion, their passion. And I even myself, stuff that I like to do is not work to me, it's fun. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that, you know, we find help the young people find out what they're good at. They won't they can explore their um, you know, what they're good at and their their talents, their hidden skills, things yeah. that they, you know they even had inside of them that God gave them that yeah. they can just open up and and start exploring and start thinking about other things other than just the norm, you know, to think outside the box, to yeah. be more creative with your thinking and stuff. Because I know when we was growing up, we always had to be creative about you know finding something to do and you know and now kids don't really have to do that. So I think that's a good you know a good avenue for them. Great. Thank you for sharing that. Now talk to me about your advocacy work. Oh, I have um, worked with Evertown. We've done some marches and some rallies and um, Moms Demand Action. Um, we've done a lot of done a lot of things with them. They're really a good group of women. And um, I just really enjoy fellowshipping with other moms who've been through what I've been through, just like yourself. You know, it's because a lot of times people don't want to hear about that. And it's, you know, and for, for me, I just can't forget about my son because it's not comfortable for someone. Right, right. You know what I'm yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? They want, they want, everybody always wants you to be considered their comfort level, but your comfort level may not be their comfort level. Right. So you got, if you want me to respect yours and you have to respect mine too, because I'm going to give you your space. So let me have mine. And if that's not, you know, it's not being disrespectful. It's just that, hey, you know, this is what I'm, this is how I feel about it. You know, I think yeah. everybody should be able to say how they feel without being judged. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially when you, you're going through all these types of emotions. It's, it's no right way to respond to stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then I do have a, another group, another organization out of Ohio called um, Mother's uh 
uh, parents of mother of murdered children, mm-hmm. they send out uh, every every year. They send me a little handwritten note about my son and oh. and a, like a little poem in there that they send out every year, and um, which I think is really nice that you know you have that fellowship and they always thinking about your child for you. Yes, yes, that's beautiful. Um, and you said that's parent of murdered children. Yes, I think it's out of Ohio. I'm, I'm, because I used to be on the internet surfing and looking at stuff, yeah. trying to you know connect with stuff, and I just run across things, and then I sign up when I'm doing research for stuff, and then I mm-hmm. you know reach out to people, and they always be so um, gracious about everything, and and they, I don't even remember how I found about this uh, organization, mm-hmm. but I they've been to this day every year they send wow. me a car and it's handwritten oh wow that's so amazing and it's, yes. it's a good feeling to, yes. to realize that somebody is thinking about your child and you yes um, and to be um and, and to do it every year you know yes. to, to be consistent and thinking about me you yes. know yeah 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 yes. absolutely yes yes yeah. that is yeah. really i was like that's and it always comes right on time like on the yeah. day that you need to see that you know it yeah. always pops in on that day that you need that, you know, because you always always gonna be some kind of not good days. I ain't gonna call them bad days, but right. good days. Right. And and you said your son passed what what year? He he was um he was murdered February the 9th, nineteen ninety eight, and they had his funeral on Valentine's Day. And that's why I, I want I wanted you to say the date because no matter and this is proof no matter how long it's been we still as a mom miss and still struggle it's not that um even because i be i've become a grief coach doesn't mean i don't struggle with my time of losing my i miss my baby who does you i mean if you just miss holding them smelling them y'all okay even what they smell like they you just Uh, love that was your baby yes so it's just um no matter how long it is or, or you just still cherish the love of missing that that child and that was taken away from you as you said earlier so um i commend you where you are along your journey and thank you once again for um sharing your story and that no matter the time length that you still um are enduring and you have um had um good people around you to help support you. And that's important to share too. So I'm glad that you talked about every town and moms demand action because they do so much to um, get us out and to do um, a lot of work in the community and, and spread the word on um, how we can make change um, policy changes. And so it's, it's good to know that. And it's good for um, us to share that so that other women know how to become involved. Um, you talked about poems Um well, you stated um, what um, parents of mother children do. They kind of send you like a poem, but that's something that you all you also do. Can you uh, talk about that a little bit? Uh, yes. Um, from the time I buried Danger, I um, whenever his anniversary of his death came around or his birthday, I would write a poem. The first few years, I had his, his one friend, Andre, who was so good at poems because I thought I could never write a poem. Mm-hmm. So I would, uh, you know, had him writing for the first few years. But then after that, I started just doing it myself. And it it would just be like, I would have to wait until like maybe a couple days before I have to get the poem in. And because it would be, it would be so painful because I would, you know, I would be so emotional. I'd be crying about just writing the stuff, just thinking about it. And it would just 
it would just be like a process. So then I just, you know, I would just, I don't know, it would just come to me and then I just write the whole poem in like a couple seconds and it'd be done. So I just start doing that every twice a year from every since 1998. So I have accumulated over 20 years of poems that I would love to put in a book for other parents to look at and see the journey from when I first started writing the poems, how broken I was, you know, in the beginning. And not that I'm not broken now, but I've healed throughout the years. And I've, you know, I don't want that to be, you know, when I wrote the poems, I don't want it to always be, you know, sad or, you know, because it, his, his life wasn't sad. He didn't have a sad life. He was a he was a happy person. He brought joy to everybody's life. So I don't want that. To, I want didn't want that to keep being the, the theme of the poem. So yeah. over the years, I you know I express my pain, but I also express my joy in the, in the same time. So I wanted to be able to put that together and and put that out there. And I have like. Um, artwork that he's he did that I would love to put in the book with the poems and he's written poems that that he has his he wrote himself that I still have and um I just would like to put all that together so you know just to be some inspiration for you know mothers parents um especially moms because I know how it is with moms and their sons you know that's a really special close relationship just like mothers and daughters but Mothers and sons is, is very different and it's, you know, it's very, you know, close and, you know, you, that's your baby. Right. So. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So share your um, personal quote with us. Oh, my personal quote that I love to say is knowledge is power. Get you some. Because- right now. <laughs> and explain that because that, you say that's your tagline. Yes, because, you know, for me, you know, knowing something People, when I was growing up, people used to always tell you, find out for yourself, mm-hmm. research for yourself. Don't let somebody come. People can tell you anything. I can walk up to you and say the sky is purple. And if you don't know to look up, you would think it's purple. So if you don't do a research just by looking up, you can figure out, no, the sky is not purple, it's blue. So for me, and for especially for us as black community, and we need to be more knowledgeable about things we need to be more attuned to what's important to our livelihood so and once you know something they can't take that from you so knowledge is power so if you know something you know it you can never unknow something once you know so you got that knowledge and that power to know that you can be better you can do better you this is a resource here this is where you go for that then you you have power you you're not constrained you don't have to wait for somebody as my grandfather said, weight broke the wagon. So you waiting for somebody to bring you something, you'll be there all day. So you need to try to figure that out yourself and be right. more resourceful. And then, you know, and it's a good feeling to know something and say, Oh, I know that. Ooh, I'm, yeah. I, I know that. And somebody can ask you a question and you can be like, well, I know that this is the answer and that can help somebody else. And for me, right. they used to call me 411 because whenever they want to know something, they will call me and say, Hey, Cynthia, do you know whatever? And I'd be like, hold up, give me five minutes. I'll call you right back. <laughs> so, you know, that's just always been my thing. And I, I and I like sharing information. I like people knowing stuff because so over the over the centuries we've been pushed down because of lack of knowledge. Yeah. And once you know something, you can't take that from me and you can't 
you're, you know, you can stand on that knowledge. You can, you know, yeah. I'm not sure. Oh yes, I know. And you yeah. can be you know, strong in your conviction for that. Mm-hmm. So that makes a difference. And I just think that knowledge is power. You need to get you some. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. And can you tell everyone how um, all of your social media platforms, um, so if they want to reach out to you and also be a part of your Mumsy and Team Mumsy, um, what are those outlets? Um, I'm on Facebook, um, Team Mumsy, and then um, Mumsy, M-O-M-S-Y, and then I have my um, diaper creation where I make diaper cakes, diaper cycles. Oh, wow. Um, stuff like that for baby showers. I even make candy, stuff like that for the babies and, you know, pretzels and dipped in chocolate and all that good stuff. Oh, wow. I, yes, yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> okay, so wait a minute. How can someone reach you for that too? Um, I have an Instagram page, the Diaper Diva of ATL. Okay. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm definitely going to go look all of this, look that up because right now with us being in this pandemic, how is it? So let's talk about, um, you know, being in the pandemic and how business is now. So have you been able to come up with some new creative ways? Because, you know, it's like there's not been much happening, but what can you, what what have you been able to say? um, I'm going to come up with a different, um, idea of how I can attack this, you know, doing stuff virtually or what. So what have been the changes for your company during this time? Well, that's what I've been looking at. I'm, you know, it was already getting, just getting started on Instagram. So what I, mm-hmm. I said, since all this happened now, it's making me rethink my whole business model. Uh huh. Yeah. So um, I'm going to do it online anyway. So you can place, you know, actually you tell me what you want, whatever your theme is, and I can make it for you. And then I can all send right. it to yeah, so if you, whatever, you know, Superman, Batman, all that, I can, you know, I do the diaper all side. All your theme work. Yeah, just oh. the theme, tell me your theme, and I'll, you know, make it happen. I mean, because I, life has not stopped. People are still having babies. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I mean that's just having these grand parties. I mean, they, you know what, I've even seen that they're having the parties, but they're just at home with their, um, they're mm-hmm. at home with their loved one, and then they're still, but they're still bringing cakes they're still you know still having and then everybody's just joining up joining on zoom to right but it's still happening so you, people still can reach out to you in this time mm-hmm. to even um, place orders right oh yeah absolutely okay. absolutely okay. absolutely because i can just ship it or you know drop it off at your door yeah. you know because okay. we don't have you know no contact i got i got my mask and all that good stuff so <laughs> yeah yeah i'm still well, trying to make that happen um during this pandemic so I'm sure about it in the next nine months, we'll be plenty of babies running around here. Oh, right, right. So you're going to really be busy. <laughs> Cynthia, I really, truly appreciate your time. But um, also just tell me, um, tell me what is something that is happening in the community? It could be about this time that we're in or just the um, your form of advocacy. Um, what is something that's in your community that you would like to see change or you would like to bring further awareness to? Well, for me, I want to find out how to lobby um, for, you know, when there's laws that need to be changed. Mm -hmm. And um, I know that because when I was working at Nationwide, I was involved with the um, PAC um, group. I was on that PAC committee, political action committee. So Mm -hmm. we would make donations to different um, lawmakers and stuff that had interest in um, the insurance company with our Nationwide. So through that... um, 
committee, I was able to meet like Hank Johnson and different people and, and stuff like that. So for me, like with this pandemic stuff going on, I've always felt like people should wear gloves, should be more um, covered up when they do our protection, when they doing our preparing food for people, mm-hmm. like wearing gloves, when they making preparing any type of food, if they're touching your food, I think they should wear gloves and, and, you know, hair nets and even masks if that's necessary. Yeah. Just, just because, you know, even before this all started, I felt like people don't, that's why I like going to Subway and places like that because they wear gloves. And if I can see you making my food, I know you're not back there doing all this stuff I see on the internet. So, you know, it just makes me feel more comfortable that way. And then, you know, and I, I just think, you know, stuff that we need to change, I need to find, I want to find out how we as lay people can connect with somebody at the, at the Capitol to get these things pushed through, you know, yeah. to help the community with different stuff, because that's the only way we're going to make any changes. Cause just mm-hmm. saying it is not going to make it happen. And we don't have any Martin Luther Kings and, and, you know, Malcolm X's anymore. So we have to be our own um, advocate. Right know for ourselves and and I just think that part for me because that health wise that's going to protect a lot of people mm-hmm. and that's going to keep you know spreading the germs going forward yeah I think that should be something that we should you know look out for because as we can plainly see the black community is more affected by this pandemic than anybody else because we don't take care of ourselves for the most part we have all these issues we don't eat the right kind of food you know we don't exercise and then people you know it's been promoted you know the bigger you are the sexier you are so you know everybody got big everything and nobody's really healthy they're just big so (laughs) oh look I mean, wow! I'm, but it's true. I'm not saying that as a as a down thing because yeah. if you're big, it's I got big and beautiful. You can be big and beautiful, but are you healthy? Yeah, you know, that's that's the main thing is just being healthy and and being around to 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 be with your family and stuff. Because you know, if you don't have your health, all the money in the world is not going to get you through. That's true. So, that's so true. So, what are some of the self care um, things that you do to help you? Um, no matter if it's grief and COVID or whatever, what are some things that you do just to take out time for yourself um, that you could share with our audience? Well, I do enjoy archery. I'm a um, level one archery instructor. So I do enjoy um, shooting a bow and arrow to relax and stuff, but, um, or I'm not, I I like to walk and, and, you know, just do light stuff like that. But really I just, I can sit in my house and just watch TV and just, you know, just clear my mind and just enjoy the fact that just thank God that I'm, I'm here, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm in good health. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm healthy and, um, you know, I have a job, I have a house, you know, yeah. I just try to be thankful for what I have and not worry about what I, you know, what's, what's coming next or what I yeah. did, did or whatever. So I just try to be in the in the present now and just be help happy for what's going on right now because I know God is in control anyway and you know and like they said if he knew if he know everything that was gonna happen before we was even born right. what am I worried about it for all I need to do is sit back and and do my job and do what I'm supposed to do and he gonna take care of the rest Absolutely. so that's basically what I'm doing and trying to do this spring cleaning in here that's taking me forever <laughs> 
Well, thank you so much, Cynthia, for coming on to our show and sharing your story um, of your son and how resilient you've become and, you know, all the wonderful things that you're doing and how you're supporting others um, by advocating and bringing further awareness and and even giving love with um, your diaper making and cookies and all of the the great um, uh, amenities that you need for a cake table. Thank you so much for your contribution um, and, and what you're doing because um, uh, that's was also one of my passions doing event planning, but um, I would always link up with women like you because that's what I needed to make my cake mm-hmm. table mm-hmm. beautiful. So um, I thank you. I really, truly do. Um, it was good to talk to you and get to know who you were. And I'm so excited that you came on to It's the Miami Night Show Grief Talk to share your story with us. And I thank you so much for having me. It's been really great. I really enjoy talking to you. You make everything so easy and just <laughs> so natural. I just love it. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to let everybody know about how special my son was. You're welcome. <laughs> thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. Well, there you have it, Grief Nation listeners. And thank you for tuning into another transformative segment on It's the Miami Night Show, Grief Talk. Today, we give thanks filled with love and gratitude for our special guest, Cynthia Freeman, for expressing your very unique grief journey and sharing ways of understanding the healing process. This is your girl, Miami Night, with much love and light until we connect again spiritually.